Welcome to the KLE Podcast with your host, Sean Smith. Encouraging and equipping leaders with a kingdom mindset to inspire, to influence, and to impact your culture where you are every single day. And now for today's episode. Good morning. Sean told me it's my turn. So now I'm going to fumble through this and let everybody know that we are here on KLE, the first in broadcasting network, Kingdom Leadership Equipping, brought to you by Kaopectate, Pepto-Bismol, and Exlax for all those moving services. We'll be right back with you after this brief word from our sponsors. <laughs> no. Anyway, we're here today and just trying to just, we'd already been talking for what, 15 minutes or so. And, uh, uh, Sean said he felt like I was just supposed to introduce everything. So we're so glad to have you with us. And, and uh, once again, just we've already been talking. We've already been speaking about things. And, and uh, Sean just pushed record. So here we are. And uh, we're welcome to have you with us. And we hope, we hope at some point in time you feel free to go ahead and, and do some feedback uh, every now and then. Uh, there's several different platforms that we're on, and I don't remember all of them. But um, uh, please please give some feedback and what you're thinking and what you're going through. Uh, Cause it helps us kind of figure out if, if what we're saying is even getting through. So please let us know. Yeah. You can pop over to the KLE podcast, Facebook page. Um, we post the video there every week or I post the video there every week. And of course it's open to comments and discussion, etc. So, uh, both Steve and I are admins there. We'd love to have you um, come over there and begin to, um, um, you know, just share your your thoughts and your 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 uh, insights. And whether you agree or disagree, I'm, that's fine. You know, we'd love to hear from you. That's right. <laughs> I don't know whether you froze up or I froze up, but uh, I noticed our I noticed our bandwidth was completely red at that point. So. I don't know whether that's my end or what the deal is, but uh, anyway, something that uh, I had brought up this morning, uh, I'd had a lot of feedback this week, uh, just about a bunch of different things. And, uh, but mainly it seems like we're still, uh, we're still confused on some, on some things, some issues. We still haven't had that quite that shift uh, over to a Melchizedek priesthood. We're still thinking of Levitical priesthood or the Aaronic order. Uh, we still think that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are, uh, even though they are the fivefold uh, and they're there for the equipping of the saints, we for some reason still think that they rule. Um, but uh, according to according to what we read here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it says that, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, and then governments. Um, so the question I have to a lot of people right now, are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, are they governments? And that's where the confusion lies because we think just because we have a gift uh, that we, we rule somewhere. And nowhere in the scripture does it say that any gift rules. It says that uh, elders rule well the flock of God. Uh, Paul said himself, he says, I have a certain measure of rule that extends toward you. Uh, but he was talking to certain guys that were in his life. And um, he wasn't talking to just a general populace or the world at that point. Uh, he was just saying that there's a certain measure that I have toward you, but not toward everybody. So there is the way that we do this stuff. Um, and for some reason, we still keep operating like a spiritual Amway. And we've got these guys at the very top. Everybody ties up, and um, uh, the guy at the top leads, and it kind of the trickle down effect, which is a high priest, and then a under priest, and then priests under them. And so, um, Melchizedek order priesthood is a totally different ballgame, and that's where that's where I have a feeling, Sean, that we've not grasped yet the order of Christ and how he works in his body, how he works in the church. And um, we keep trying to set it up or establish it according to the old Testament pattern, like you, like you earlier said to uh, today. Yeah. That's the thing is um, 
you know, we, well, that we keep going back to the Old Testament way of doing things. And um, right. I, I don't think a lot of giftings today would want what the prophets went through back in those days, or the priests went <laughs> through, not. the shepherds went Probably through. You know, it's just like, I don't think they would want that quite. In fact, even those that call themselves apostles, I mean, if we, if we look at what Paul and Barnabas and these guys actually endured as apostles, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 being a prime example, you know, I looked at that and I said, who actually wants to have the right. career of being, you know, this having this apostolic gift and doing the apostolic work? Um, yeah, Paul said, I'm the least. We're the least of all well, of them. Well, that's it. I mean, it's 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 pretty savage. I mean, it's just like... Um, yeah, shipwrecked, beaten. You, you just do not want to go through that and in fact you know i was i was told or i read some some years ago that they in in uh, in china in the underground church they don't just call anybody apostle you have to you have to show the scars of the the apostleship you know and right. then of course the word the word um the weapons of our warfare in in what second corinthians chapter 10 talks about the arduous uh, career of the apostolic and so right. it's not talking about it's not talking about worldly-minded careers but it's talking about the the journey of being this gifting to the body of christ but um be that as it may yeah we and that's what we were talking about is that the different trends we've seen over the years is how right. every gift is highlighted and um, and you know and and unfortunately there's a proliferation of that gift before the time, before the authentic begins to really stand out. Um, right. And typically, uh, typically, I don't think you see prominence in the true authentic gifting. You don't see prominence. No. You, you see that they actually, you know, that's, that's our mistaken sort of concept is Paul was not prominent. He wasn't right. a... He wasn't a celebrity leader. We, we, I don't know, you know, in our church-mindedness, we, in ministry-mindedness, we see Paul as this person that preached crowds, and and he, he wasn't. He he talks about in that he was. He says we are known and yet unknown, and the, it's like we are um, we are known, and that word is intimus, in, intimacy, and yet unknown is obscurity. And so, you know, in relationships, he was known, but in as as a as a wider field, he was unknown because until he gets into the house of of Caesar, and now people coming to see him, but it wasn't crowds. Even though he in in Acts twenty eight, even though he's in prison, they're coming to see him, you know, individually. So we go through these trends. I I really believe that. We, we see this proliferation of a gift in a certain as God's restoring that gift. And then you're looking for those authentic people to stand up and become. Right. Well, just like, just like we were talking about earlier is as he sets in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers after that. And then he begins to list some other things for some reason. Um, I don't know why he's chosen to do this, but when he started restoring these things he started restoring them back in kind of a reverse order to yeah. the body because we see like you mentioned earlier uh we see the pastor uh coming up one of the first things to be restored it wasn't the apostle being restored back it was a pastor being restored back and then then in the 50s and 60s you see the evangelist really starting to uh come forward uh the teacher mainly in the 60s and 70s uh, you see that the big teaching seminars and big, big teaching centers. And, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Clear up through the 80s. And then finally you begin to see the prophets. And, but in, in every single part of that, we find guys that want to have the preeminence or want to uh, figure that their ministry, it, it, they want to tag something onto their ministry. Uh, that's why a lot of times right now, uh, anything anything having to do with a, a ministry or something else they're going to tag the word and uh, here we have kingdom leadership equipping 
but <laughs> you know they tag it with kingdom yeah because somehow that gives it some sort of a um a moniker that people identify with right now because the lord is really restoring the kingdom he's restoring that yes, yes. back into our hearts yeah. and so uh you know and honestly because we are sons of god we do want to see that established and so we have a tendency to want to put that out there uh however there's a lot of them that put their name on there pastor that are not pastors uh teachers that are not teachers kingdom that is not kingdom uh apostles that are not apostles and so you begin to see this uh almost a duplication or a um an imitation let's put it that way uh because that which is we tend to try to do it first in the natural we know that god's doing something so i'm gonna start the way i know to start i'm gonna do it according to the pattern that i've always known how to do it by and it's going to end up looking like flesh because that which has begun in the flesh is flesh. I mean, that you can't help it. Yeah. So, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So to, to watch, to watch guys lives. And uh, because like I mentioned earlier, you know, it says uh, in, in uh, Ezekiel, it says, I have, I have put my threshold beside your thresholds, my pillars beside your pillars. The problem is, that you can't tell the difference <laughs> and uh but i'm going to show you which one is mine so you son of man show the house to the house of israel and then if they be ashamed of their iniquities then show them the patterns thereof and the forms thereof and the goings out and comings in thereof and the law all the laws thereof and all the ordinances thereof you know it goes on and on but unless they're ashamed of their their building unless they're ashamed of the fact that hey, I keep building this same thing over and over and over again, and it's not God. The gates of hell still prevail against it, so it must not be the church of Christ. Unless they're ashamed of that, then do I show them all the rest of the forms and the ordinances and, and how God actually builds? Do I do that? Yeah. And I guess that's where the frustration comes in because a lot of times I just want to hit everybody with as much information as I possibly can so that we can all build the same but yet if they're not ashamed of their iniquities they're going to continue to build and use that same information but build their own and continue to build it the way they know how to build it well of course and that's what he says is repent you know right and then so that you are ashamed of what you're building and and the and then i'll show you the blueprint of what is right. really what it right. looks like and that sounds like uh, John the Baptist and Jesus coming to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's true. You, 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 unless there's that ch shift in, one of the most difficult things to do is sh shift a, a, a mindset, shift the paradigm. It's the hardest thing. And leaders, unfortunately, are the ones that struggle the most with it. You know, it's because we're so, um, what's the word? We are so formatted. We are so... <laughs> steeped yeah. in our in our model um of the way it's done that we cannot we cannot venture to imagine anything different yeah he's still the stone that the builders rejected still exactly. he still is and the fact is is that you know there's some things you, change is inevitable change is necessary change is i mean you know when we went from from the state kind of institutionalized way of thinking going back and then suddenly we had the pentecostal back in the early 20th uh, 20th century and we had you know uh william barnum and and right. uh, you know all these guys uh, toza and all these guys coming up who were um who were the pentecostal move and right. you know calling on the glory of god and and you know they were persecuted i mean you know uh, amy McPherson and and uh, I'm trying to think of that other lady's name, but anyway, going back into the early early 20th century, you know they right. had to they had to plow and and break through from that old institutionalized kind of mentality into a Pentecostal move. But then right. they set up tent and now it's only Pentecostal, and and now comes the the whole um, evangelistic move, you know, with tents and and 
what? You're moving outside the building. You can't do that, you know? And so they got stones thrown at them. And then you have, you know, the next, you have Catherine Kuhlman, you know, is this like, no, you know, you can't have people falling, you know, it just doesn't work, you know? <laughs> and, and then you move from that, but, you know, so that was camp, but then you have this evangelistic camp meeting kind of style. And that is now the new tent. It can only happen like that. You can only if you have an organ playing, you know, running the running the keys, the ivories, and and uh, you know some tambourines and things going, and and uh, you know that kind of thing, and a tent. You you haven't got anything. You haven't got anything. You know. So uh, um, and then you get the teacher coming, and you know, and now the teachers teach, and I you know I believe all of them are are in their time they were necessary restoring things and the teacher comes and only the, we only see the one phase the only one thing but the teachers were i remember the whole charismatic teaching word of faith kind of ministry arising oh man right. persecution i mean they as denominations were calling us you know evil demonic right uh, persecuting us i but i remember planting steve the first our first church and christian centers who were still tending towards the old style made sure i got kicked out of the the association of ministers that i was with got me kicked out of that because i had violated their perception you know just so we have <laughs> this kind of thing and then you know and one one thing persecutes the other as we go through history, and yet God is restoring all the time. You know, it's the pendulum; it swings from one extreme to the other extreme. So you have this this proliferation. But the thing that we and that's what you rightly pointed out: what we've got to look for is the authentic. What is right. really? Where is the real? The real thing? You know, what is right. what is the real thing? And don't be blind followers. <laughs> don't right. just be. You know, is that what is? Oh, and that's that's the point that I want to come to is that something in all this change doesn't change, and that is Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You cannot get away from the direction of the foundation that he sets as the Son right. of God. And right. you know, it's just like he is the principal dimensions or map or blueprint of what is to be built. Nothing right. changes. That doesn't change. But we've got to re rethink how we approach some of this stuff. Yeah, a lot of the thing that, that was said even, um, because Christ is after the order of Melchizedek. That's, yeah. that's the priesthood that he operates by. That's the order of priesthood that he's in. He didn't come from the order of Levi. Yeah. He didn't come in the order of Aaron. He came with the order of Melchizedek. And it says, since there has been, in Hebrews, it says, since there has been a change of priesthood, it necessitates a change of law. So anything that we know of, that we thought we were supposed to build by, has nothing to do with what we're supposed to be building now. Because most everything that we've built up until this point uh, has been according to the Levitical priesthood or according to what we know, even the simplicity of the tithe. Uh, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday as far as uh, bring all the tithes in the storehouse. If you do not bring the tithes in the storehouse, you're cursed with a curse. You know, and why is it you're cursed with a curse? Well, because you, you're robbing from God. And so, but, but there wasn't just a single 10% at that point. There were like six different tithes that you had to give in order to uh, not be cursed with a curse. And, but since Christ became the curse, is the tithe still instituted? Not the way we think it is, because the way it happened with the order of Melchizedek is Melchizedek came in the time when, and I know we've talked about this before, but in the time when, when all of the, uh, uh, Abraham came back from the, the destroying or the war with all the kings, he destroyed all these different, kingdoms and whatever now he had all this spoil well all of a sudden all these kings that weren't going to fight with him came and camped around him around his encampment so that they could get a portion of the spoil and they wanted to say yeah we don't want you turning on us abraham 
you know, we're, we're on your side. Well, where were they when they were fighting? Because when Abraham went to war, it was only with servants born in his own house. Yes. I mean, they weren't, it wasn't other Kings or other, it was servants born in his own house. So here comes Melchizedek, who is Prince of Peace, uh, who is King of Righteousness. Uh, he's coming from, a, 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 nobody knows where he came from. Nobody knows where he's going. Nobody knows what his lineage is. He doesn't have mother nor father. He was like unto the son of man, it says. And he comes for no other reason except for to bless Abraham. All of a sudden, Abraham's heart is turned and he gives unto him a tenth or a tithe, uh, a portion, a tenth part of everything that he had. He did not continue to do that the rest of his life. He did that that one time when he recognized that God sent this person into his life to bless him. Did he continue to do that then from then on? No, he didn't. But that's what Paul was saying. He says, I'm not coming to you for any other reason. I'm not coming to you with an intent of getting anything from you. But if I give to you something spiritually, I should expect of your carnals. But it's not so that it abounds toward my account. It's so that it abounds toward your account. So you understand that this is all God arranged, that God sent me here. And he sent me here with something special to impart to you some spiritual gift or something spiritual. So thereby, once you begin to realize that, then naturally your heart's going to open up and you're going to give me a tenth part or a tithe or whatever it is out of the abundance of your heart. But it's yeah. not obligatory. I'm not making you do that. It's not a law anymore. Yeah. And so anyway, it's a whole different, it's a whole different way of thinking rather than you got to bring your ties. I remember uh, uh, when I was first sent out to do the ministry, uh, the, the different uh, advice that I got and the different things I was reading at that time says you have to get at least 10 families. If you get 10 families, you instruct them on tithing, which means you get a 10th part from 10, 10 families. So you're going to get the equivalent of the average of what the average family in your group makes. But your, your purpose is to first get those 10 families. Yeah. Tithing families. Yeah. Tithing families. So foundation of building your ministry. Right, right. So now you have that income that frees you up to be able to do whatever it is you're supposed to do. But see, Melchizedek didn't do that. Melchizedek went because God sent him first. Hmm. He didn't want anything from Abraham. He didn't want his tithe. He didn't come to get anything. I'm coming here because God sent me, period. God is my supply. I'm not looking for anything else. And I know that, you know, like I said, we've talked about this before and and this is something now I'm, I'm going to step down off my soapbox. <laughs> and yeah, I guess I should let, let you get in the word edgewise here, but. Uh... I know. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I had my word. So it's, it's <laughs> I mean, just, just coming back to where we started with, with, you know, this first, first, these, these giftings. And I think that's where, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of, um, we say it infinitum, um, but but I think it's it's bare it bears the necessity of it. Yeah. Is, again, I say. Yes. Again, I say to you, <laughs> is that you know these these giftings, um, pastor, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher are not um, are not uh, uh, governments. They're not offices. Right. They're not they're not positions. They're not to rule over people. Like it, the Gentiles do. Yeah, it's it's these are gifts to, to equip the body of Christ. Right. And and uh, somebody, I, I think it was Kevin. I just cannot remember the author's name. Um, and he wrote a book on kingdom and the church, um, a manual that I read many years ago. And part of that was he said that every gifting is an elder, but not all elders have a fivefold gifting. And, and it's like, um, you know, even Paul, Paul and Barnabas were leading brothers in the church at Antioch. In other words, they were in the eldership uh, of, of Antioch. So um, 
and they they had and these guys were some of them were teachers some of them were prophets and some of them were apostles and they were released to do what god had called them to do and i i know that you know people different different perspectives will come in on that and everybody will have a different idea on how we see that but you know principally i think that we got to look at the fact that doma gifts are not governmental in the right, in itself right. they for they are for a specific function the function is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to grow till we all up. come to the fullness and stature of christ or the messiah right. if i have not brought somebody up into his stature into his stature am i truly an apostle prophet evangelist pastor or teacher right, right. well and that's the question that is the question that that's the thing i've been questioning for for a number of years is is just that is like if you if your primary task is equipping and you're not equipping are you really a true a true gifting in that sense a true dharma right. you know right and part of that is is like you said the mindsets and because that's what you're dealing with is a propensity of the mind to think a certain direction because yeah. uh, this is all we've ever seen this is all we know this is all this is all we know as truth and therefore now you're bringing in this which you're saying is what the word of god is saying but it's just so hard to change it's so hard for us to wrap our minds around and make that shift in our own minds yeah. because because it's always been this way it's always we've always done it this way we've always brought the tithe into the church we've always seen the pastor as the chief or as the king we've always seen the apostle as king uh uh whatever happens to be the next thing coming up uh the pastor is going to change his title to that whether it be bishop uh whether it be prophet whether it be whatever it is he's going to change his name to that because that's the highest the king cannot be have a lower estate than what than what he feels like his estate is so i can't have a title that doesn't associate with what i feel like my entitlement is yeah so I, i'm going to call myself by i'm going to change myself to something else uh and if I, truly i i remember a guy telling me this he says because i'm an apostle now the whole church has to change uh into an apostolic church and i asked him that i said why he says, because this is now our vision. This is now our goal. This is now, you know, this is who I am. Thereby, no, that means that now that bride of Christ is reflecting you and your gift and your anointing. What about what they're called to do? Right. What is it they're called to do? Can you equip them? If you truly are an apostle, you're going to equip them. Yeah, bring them up into maturity where every person right. and they can contribute what's necessary for the growth and the maturity of the body. Right, right. Because it isn't about me and then you are oh. reflecting me. Yeah, exactly. And you find that, I mean, you know, it's not taking away anything from the responsibility of leaders, but it's this it's a it's a mindset, it's an attitude. It's like, how are you going to do this? You know, it doesn't it's like everything starts with the paradigm, and that's what that's what, I struggle to communicate that with leaders, especially in the church, especially in the church, is that everything starts with a paradigm. You know, is that they want to start with what do I do? I go, well, what do you think first? Right. How do you see a thing? You know, and that's the whole principle, principle, if I may, uh, of kingdom leadership equipping is that to equip leaders with a kingdom mindset. So there's a new paradigm. And, right. You know, is that I don't know. I don't know what what you will look like when you are a leader in your setting. I I I, I don't know. It's going to be based upon your gifting, your personality, etc., uh, etc. Et but there are some basic foundational principles, kingdom principles that don't change. And you've right. got to get the paradigm first. People right. have to get the paradigm. Jesus said, "Blind." guides leading blind people both fall in a ditch because the blind people never question anything don't see anything don't don't you know don't 
take responsibility for anything. They just follow blindly. Right. Wherever they weren't the good Bereans. Sorry? They weren't good Bereans to check out everything that was being said. That's it. So they're not looking for the authentic. They, they don't even know what authentic is. So um, we, we have to, and listen, I made that mistake too. I, I, you know, I gravitated to a leader that was saying the right things and I needed what they were saying. But when I found the person, I found these huge chinks in the character of the person. And right there, I should have walked away. You know, I should have, I should have said no. I just but we were both looking for something at that point. Exactly. We were either looking for validation or acceptance. We are looking for something. And whatever we that was, was given to us by that relationship. And that's, yeah. where, that's where that's supposed to be found in Christ. However, <laughs> uh, we, we have a tendency to say, God, to give us that. a king like all other nations. You know, this is somebody that I can follow around and I can get this by osmosis, basically. Well, you know, the bottom line is, is that it, it was necessary to, to shake my nest to find. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My out, you know, so I, I, I would shake his hand and say, thank you very much. But no, thank right. you. You know, it's just like, and I had to, I had to walk away. At one point I did. I, I just said. No more. Don't want anything to do with this. I'm out. I'm gone. No more. I, this was one relationship that I, well, it destroyed everything. So I knew it was going to, you know, at some point and I, I had to walk away from it. However, the fact of the matter is, is yes, we, we gravitate, unfortunately, blindly to those situations. You know, you know what, Steve, what bothers me is like, why wasn't there somebody who had the truth? If, if we had to find it in somebody with such huge gaps in their character, you know, who was saying the things that we needed to hear, the spirit of it was wrong, but we needed to hear what the, what the, 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 the truth was. And he did, he gave some truth. But when you, when you go to the source of the person, we're just like, this is such a wrong spirit, such a wrong spirit. And I knew it, but I couldn't... Um, I couldn't separate the one from the other, you know, it's like, what bothers me ever since then is like, where were, where are the people that can bring and live that which they teaching, you know, that which they, that, that they are it, not just. Right. And that's what he's been working in us for the last 20 years. You know, I know you believe this, but will you live it? Yeah, exactly. You know, can has this word become flesh in you to where it's it's so much a part of you that when you give it out it's able to reproduce after my likeness and image right. as christ would say so uh, it's not anymore you doing it but now it's so much a part of you that when you speak you speak from the power of the word of his power it's yes. coming forth out of what he already he already knows will reproduce after his likeness and image. It's not just an idea. It's not just a principle. It's not just a formula. It's something now that's life. And the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. And that's, that's where we begin to see a big difference uh, because I can have, I can have the word come on several different levels. First of all, he always came he revealed to us. Christ was revealed to us, right? So here we have this big revelation most of the time, whenever we have a ministry or something, we're running out and trying to share a revelation, something we just know, something that's just happened, something that we have experienced. You know, we're, we're sharing a revelation. Um, and, and Christ, the next step you see is a, is a transfiguration where Christ goes up on the mountains. There's these three guys sitting there and they say, well, let's build a tabernacle, one for Moses, one for Elijah and one for Christ. And, and God finally says to these guys, he said, no, this is my beloved son. I don't care about what all these other guys have said up to this point. This is my beloved son, hear ye him. And then finally, finally the word became flesh or you see Christ ascending up on high. And when he comes back, there's a transfig, not just a transfiguration, but now they are the manifestation of the word to the, the people. Now, when they speak, it carries that presence of the living God. 
uh, just like the Archangel Michael, he says that I, I stand close to God. The word close there is the word, uh, I think it's paristomy, which, which means I stand so close to him that when I leave, I take his presence with me. So now you, now you have this experience with the word of God himself to where it is, it is not just transfigured you. It's not just a revelation anymore, but that word has become so much flesh that it dwells in you. And now when you speak, it, it reproduces after his likeness and image. It's not just an understanding. It's not just something I know which I can give to you all that I know, and it still won't reproduce Christ in you. But if I give to you that very seed, that breath of life, the word that I speak to you is spirit and life, and I give that presence of that life to you, it will reproduce after his likeness and image. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the same vein, I must say, I, but that again, you know, in our, in my, in my insecure ignorance, um, I mean, I had a man for 15 years in my life who, whose heart and character was all of that, but he didn't teach it. Huh. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. I, when, when I met him, I, I met a true reflection of the father. Something right. really, really reflected father to me. And Do we have to teach it, though, if we live it. You see, that was the thing is, you know, when he passed away um, in 2010, and I, I mean, just at that point in time, it really, it really was a hard blow to me to, right. to you know, that he left the earth. And I know he's going on, you know, when I know all the, the, the Christianese about that, things like he's gone to heaven and all the rest of it. But um, it was just, you know, it was because our relationship was so, was so valuable to me that, you know, he's. Right. His right. removal from the earth was was hard to take, but over the that was one of the inspirations about leadership that I began to. That's why I began to work and think through the whole leadership process and what is a leader, um, right, right. specifically within the within a Christian or the church context, and simply because as I I never realized the lessons I'd learned from him until he had actually passed away. And then I began to think about, right. you know, just the things that he had meant and the things that he had taught me, the things that, and that you just touched on something really, you know, it's not about information. It's about impartation. And right. And right. That's a big difference. It's a huge difference. You know, it's like yeah. I can teach stuff, but do, do I live it? Do I impart it? You know, and, and it's, it's hard to find people that actually will impart it to you. And it's hard to find people that actually will sit and receive impartation. It's hard to find people that actually have it. Well, exactly. It's so ingrained in them. And I guess that's why it says, I'm going to circumcise your heart. Yes. Because the heart, out of the bones of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can speak to you all sorts of things. But when I realize that it's the word of God that's in there, the, the seed, the sperma of God, yeah. So that when that sperma comes out, uh, the reason for circumcision, of course, is so that the sperm, uh, part of it's no disease or, or defile anything, but so that no flesh, no flesh touches that sperma when it comes forth. Yes. That's what the circumcision is for. So yeah. when he circumcises our heart, there's nothing, there is no flesh that touches that power of reproduction of Christ that's coming forth. And that's yeah. why I said uh, the best times I've ever learned from somebody is I watched their sonship. Yeah. And I've, I learned so much more about who they were and how they related to their father, because that's what spoke volumes. It wasn't just their words. You know, it was just like Christ. It wasn't Christ's words that were fell to the ground and were planted and came up something new. It was Christ himself with the seed. Yeah. And that's where I begin to see that we are the seed. Yeah. We are the ones that God is sending out there to reproduce after his likeness and image. It's not necessarily what we say, but it's who you are. Just like he said to Moses, Moses, what's that in your hand? I'm not sending something special. I'm not sending a gift. I'm not sending, a, I'm sending you because I've prepared you. I've equipped you. You are the message. You are the seed. 
So I'm going to plant you right now into these people's lives. And now I'm going to reproduce myself after my own likeness and image in their lives. Yeah, exactly right. It's a reflection of who he is. You've got to be, you've got to be a moon. You can't be a sun. You know, you've got to right. be, you can't be this, the, the star, the, the moon. I mean, the, the, the sun, you know, that everything originates in you. You know, I've got the revelation. I, right. It's about the heart. And I think that to me has been the, the biggest revelation or the biggest insight that I've had is, is um, to become, you know, before you do is to become. Doing comes out of who you've become and who you are right. rather than, than the other way around. And, right. But yet we think that if, and I know I grew up like that as well into ministry was if you do, you are. And but it's not like that, you know, the, the uh, people ask me, you know, it's like, if you were to start a ministry, uh, you know, that I just struggle with that whole concept now. But anyway, <laughs> it's like, if you had to start a ministry, like I'm not in one, but you know, what would you do? And I said, you know what, relationship, that's where I'd start. I'd start with right. imparting who I am into people's lives, first and foremost, and, and, and work on that, because that's what Jesus did. He, he, right. he, he did teach, but he spent time with the disciples instructing them, you know, and that there's a difference between being a, a platform teacher and somebody who is instructing others. And that's why I, I honestly believe that some of the greatest equippers, as far as the fivefold ministry goes, are not visible. They, you know, right. there's great teachers. I, I, I want to say there's great um, instructors in another form, you know, not the what I'm talking about now. Great instructors as far as from the platform kind of speakers, you know, instruction to people. But I don't think we see the true people who are able to instruct with a heart, with a, with a, with a shift, you know, a, a, right. to bring about... A, and impart a transformation into people's lives. I, I, I don't think we see them because they right. cannot be that big and be doing the small things, you know. That's what was so important about the guy that you're talking about that I, I mean, I know, you know, I know who you're talking about as far as that passed away in 2010. Um, because I, you know, watching if it's the same person I'm thinking of, I hope it is, but um, yes. to, to watch him do something up on stage, he was a, that was great. And I, you know, I would enjoy what he was saying and everything, but it really was the down to earth, the time of getting to the walking together in the, um, as I knew him by the campfire, yeah. uh, walking with him uh, while he's eating the fish that I caught, <laughs> you know, walking just walking with a person in life to see, to have that imparted, that peace, that liberty, that joy, that uh, to have those type of things, the thing that he is imparted to me, not, not everything that he knows, because all knowledge does is puff us up. I mean, if I, if I give to you just what I know, you're going to go out and use it and, you know, possibly build a ministry with it, not you, but I mean, you know, whoever. Because uh, a lot of people, they'll do that. They'll listen to tapes. They'll glean from all these other things. And then they run out because they don't have anything to preach on the next week and they use it. Well, I did that, you yeah. know. Yeah, because I had to figure out what to teach on next week because, you know, otherwise nobody was teaching but me. So, but to have a life imparted to you, have that spirit and life, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. I mean, to have that life imparted to you the reason i came the reason i sent the reason that god sent me is the same reason he sent christ is so that you might have life and that more abundantly not what i know so to be able to impart life to you and that's going back once again he set first uh, in the church apostles somebody that he sends he sent forth first a son he didn't he didn't send a gift. You don't see Christ saying that I'm an apostle or I'm a prophet. I'm a teacher. I'm uh, even though they called him rabbi or teacher, even though they called him, you know, somebody sent from God. I mean, even though they called him different things, 
um, he never once took himself seriously by a title. Mm-hmm. He always identified with himself as a son and most of the time as son of man. So that we could see that he did all this stuff just like we do as somebody who is a man. And it's just, it's just interesting to me how he operated. I, I'm not coming to you with a title as the king. I'm not coming to you as a title as, as whatever. Coming to you as Adam. Right, right. Yeah. I, I'm just going to show you the father. I'm going to show you the father. Right. Son of God. I, you know, I, that's what I was looking the other day again at, in Luke. Um, it talks about the genealogies and it goes, you know, so-and-so, the son of, the son of, the son of, and it gets to Adam, son of God, <laughs> right at the end, you know. And so it all originated with Adam, the son of God. And of course, Adam you know, commits high treason to that relationship, to that trust. But Jesus comes as the second Adam. Last representing Adam. The last Adam. The, the, yeah. yeah and, and he comes representing the Father as the Son of God. Right. And we are in his image, in his likeness, conformed. Um, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. So first and foremost, like you say, you know, I mean, that is now another topic that we, uh, that we, <laughs> we should jump on as well. Is that... Um, we just kind of scratched that one, didn't we? Yeah, no, yeah, we touched on that. And we've, I mean, we've touched on it at, at previous times, but I think it's definitely something that uh, we can deep dive a bit more into it you know we should actually just like end this one start another one and just keep going <laughs> sure might as well for next week you know because um, and just post it next week simply because uh, yeah it's it's hot on the topic right now but um yeah so you know that's what he did he came as a son of god and that's what we need to do first and foremost is representing not a man you, you know, that's the problem is, you know, uh, I rep- and I hear this, people come to me, I, you know, I represent Bishop so-and-so. And this is like, right. I, I honestly don't care, <laughs> you know, so really, I, I don't care, you know. Yeah. Right. And, I, you know, Steve, okay, we, we actually running out of time, but I, I remember sitting, when I first came to America, I sat around a table with a bunch of, of you know, guys that invited me, a bunch of ministers and and uh, they invited me, and one guy came in there, and he had his little Bluetooth um, earpiece on, you know, blinking away, and in his, you know, and he, you could tell he was in his suit, and uh, and all he could talk about was a man of a man who runs a ministry um, that is successful, been around for many years, and truly, uh, you know, a man of character, doing a great job in America. But this guy, all he could talk about was that man. This guy says, and this guy says, and this guy said. And I said, you know, who do you actually represent? Well, and he got upset with me. Well, in fact, what happened was I was working with another ministry couple that he connected with, and he got me severed relationship removed um, simply because, you know, I challenged that. And, and, you know, it's just like, but who do you represent? You know, it's just, I I appreciate the guy is wonderful and all the rest of it, but you you not you don't represent as a son of God at all your father. I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything coming from you. There's no impartation of anything except representing another man or another institution or another organization or another because yeah, that's their father. Yeah, I'm in the prophet. You know, I'm the I'm I'm in the prophetic move of God. It's just like okay, so wonderful. What does that mean? You know, it's just like. Uh, oh, we all prophets and we prophesy. <laughs> okay, you know, um, hopefully everybody should be doing that. You know, it's just like um, this is absolutely crazy stuff. You know, is we we've got to get back to to, and that's the whole point. That's the I, to me, it's just it's so simple. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm just like too simple about this. But to me, it's so. Like, we gonna continue? Are we gonna continue for next week? should we do that all right we end this one and go to the next one <laughs> uh, all right so thanks yeah for being sure with why us. not yeah why not hey thanks for being with us for this week um really appreciate having you with us and um i last week was an hour and a half we just like really unloaded on you um in our conversation last week but hey uh you know we're very passionate about 
the topic that we were sharing last week, and, and it was absolutely very, very important. So um, I hope you endure through that um, and really get what was shared there. It's an impartation. You know, the, I think, Steve, that's coming to our conversations. That, that's what it is. We, we're not trying to teach here. It's like, right. we, this is what we do. Steve and I share with each other. We've encouraged each other um, over the years. And, and really, we felt like, why keep it to ourselves? We want to share this with you to uh, impart it to you as well so that you can become. You know, I don't know. We may be talking to, to the next person that's going to be a world changer. I don't know. You know, I don't know you. We don't know you. We don't know where you are. We, you, you may seem like, feel like you're insignificant, but the fact of the matter is you are a son of God. And therefore, you know, something that we can impart to your life that that begins to set you on a on a path of growth and maturity and beginning to grasp your purpose in life is what it's right. all about. And so right. we, we sit here not because we have, you know, we're great teachers or anything like that. We we bumble around and we jump from one topic to the other and <laughs> And that's that's that that's exactly how we do it and so we just do this to to bring an impartation to you something this was something that i wished i had when i was growing up in the lord is just being able to sit in part of a conversation i've listened to thousands of hours of teaching but nobody just sharing their heart and sharing their insights and sharing their difficulties their struggles their the challenges their perspectives on things and the solutions that they've seen and the keys that they've discovered, I, that that would have helped me far more in my ministry, uh, growing my ministry, growing as a leader than anything else in the world. And that's why we do this. So we trust that that um, this is helping you and um, inspiring you as well. Thanks for being with me. Catch you on the next one from Sean and Steve. God bless you.